Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Thursday, April the 15th, 2021. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day, cat sun jammer. To be distressed depression or confusion resembling that caused by a hangover cat sun jammer well i want to wish you all a hearty hello and thank you all for listening i hope everyone is enjoying their thursday weekend is fast approaching uh, weather here is going to be looking pretty good spring is here it's going to warm up a bit hope everyone gets out this weekend and Get back into the swing of things, you might swing of things, you might say. And COVID numbers are looking pretty good, somewhat, but there has been somewhat of a setback. The Johnson and Johnson, the once hailed one shot wonder, has been halted as a result of uh, I believe they're saying six or maybe nine cases of people that are experiencing blood clots. One woman has died as a result of it. And early reports or indications are saying that they aren't saying that it's totally as a result of Johnson and Johnson and this one shot wonder vaccine. At one point in time, they were saying that some of the blood clots could be related to those women taking birth controls. Ah, I don't know. I mean, something obviously has gone wrong. Maybe they should have caught this way before they put it out and made the push. But it is certainly a, a somewhat of a setback because now you have to rely on Pfizer and Moderna. Now, the Moderna, uh, they haven't had any, at least I haven't heard of too many side effects. Certainly, I mean, I, I think there have been some reports of a few deaths, but those I guess they're saying those people or patients had underlying health reasons and they may have interacted negatively with that particular vaccine. Maybe the same thing is happening here with Johnson & Johnson. But whatever the case, that one-shot wonder has now been put on hold by the FDC. Hmm. Keep you posted on that. I I hope uh, they work it out because... What they're also finding, a lot of the pharmacies and doctors that had people scheduled to take that vaccine now can't. And they're going back to good old Moderna and that freezer burn Pfizer. (laughs) Remember Pfizer? Oh, man, Pfizer. I, I, I never really wanted to take that one anyway. Once I found out how it had to be stored, however many degrees, double digits, maybe below zero, Uh, that was a red flag for me, but anywho, let's pray for those that, that, that are, uh, you know, have been affected by this, this vaccine. Who knows what happened or what will happen? We'll see. God bless. God bless. Now, I just want to start off with this state lawmakers, uh, sometime last week met to discuss, um, allowing transgender students to participate in female sports on that side. I guess those are the, you know, the ones, the, the males that are, are identifying with uh, being female. And they're going to have another meeting today to uh, discuss more in depth with allowing those trans students to participate in female sports in school. And of course, you know, there, there is some uh, opposition to that. I mean, rightfully so. I'm not uh, saying that that it is. I certainly don't mean to imply that you should trample on anyone's right to do what they want to. But for me personally, that's a no for me. I mean, I, I just can't see allowing. I know they they say that you know, hey, they that they're identifying with being a female and and. And they should be allowed to participate in in female sports, but um, I, I'm so, well, in my mind, you're still a male. I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. 
you're still a male. I mean, I know they say, well, they take, they could take hormones or, you know, estrogen or, or whatever to get to, uh, I don't know if they say get rid of the t- testosterone that's in them in there, but, um, no, 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 I, I don't care how, how much or how many hormone pills you take. You're, you're still a male. There's no, there's absolutely positively no reason for you to be participating in female sports. And that's, that's a strong no for me. Okay, uh, moving along also. Don't want to stay too long on that topic. Uh, the Biden administration yesterday officially announced the withdrawal, withdrawal of the remaining 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. You know, a few podcasts back, I talked about that, and we all knew it was coming. Uh, apparently, the previous administration had gave the May 1st date to start the withdrawal, and now the Biden administration is also holding on to that. May 1st, they'll start the withdraw- withdrawals, and it should end by the uh, September the 11th of this year the anniversary of uh, September 11th. We all remember that. Uh, this war has been going on for 20 years. They're calling it the never-ending war. 20 years, wow. It just doesn't seem like 20 years to me. That time has, where did the time go? But yeah, the, the U.S. and their allies, because the allies are also pulling out, are finally leaving and starting May 1st from Afghanistan. Now, of course, you, you know, you have those that are supporting it and you have those that are in opposition. It appears a lot of the vets, the veterans of that war that are, are home are saying, yes, finally, bring them home. And I'll second that, that emotion or notion, however you want to say it. I agree totally. And a lot of the vets are saying, hey, let the Afghans stand on their own too. Let them defend their own homeland and country. That's a yes for me also. And then the vets are also saying, hey, you know, a lot of us suffer from PTSD as a result of this war. And that's got to be, man, that's gut-wrenching right there. If you never talk to anyone that has been in that war or... The conflict in that region, and that includes Iraq also, if you never sat down and talked to anyone that's been in that war, maybe it's um, something I can relate to. Uh, I'm, I'm younger, and I've heard people talk about the Vietnam and Korean War the, the same way. But if you ever have the chance to sit down and talk to someone that's been in that war, it tears you up. It really does. And and I don't know if you could call it a war. Some may say, well, they say it's a war. But if that is war, sweet Jesus. Like I said, if you ever get the chance to talk to someone that's been in that, that Afghan war, take the time. You might learn a thing or two about humility and humbleness. You really, really should. Now, those that are opponents are saying, obviously, if you leave now, you're going to leave that region in turmoil. Perhaps you will. I mean, the the, the Taliban is, well, the Taliban and and Al-Qaeda have been there forever. And I'm sure those people from that area, that country, know what they're about. So, I mean, it is time for them to defend themselves. Now, there is one Republican lawmaker that says, (laughs) I've heard this argument, and I think the same argument was made also, like I said, with the Vietnam and Korean War. One Republican lawmaker is saying, if you leave, it's admitting defeat. I honestly don't believe anybody can win that war. No no side can win that war. I mean... in this instance, to be honest with you, there's not a clear winner or loser. Everybody loses. They're, they're, who who wins? Well, how can, how can you measure winning a war like that? Apparently, these uh, opponents are saying they can, and, and, and they're saying pulling out is, is, is admitting, admitting defeat. Hmm. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. 
I just think that after 20 years and you're still going through the same thing, nothing has changed. You haven't stopped Al-Qaeda or, or the Taliban. They're still there. Maybe that's just who they that country is or that region is. Maybe that's what they're comfortable with. I mean, I just don't think you can go to a foreign land and, and dictate what they can and can't do. I mean, that's essentially what, what you tr- the U.S. tried and now they're dealing with because, you know, hey, a, a lot of those people, yeah, there's some that, that say, yeah, we want them out. And then there's a lot more that are saying, hey, 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 this is my homeland. This is what I like. Get out. So we'll see how this goes. Maybe all of that killing and bombing and stuff, I, I would say it would stop, but I doubt it. Like I said, that that. They they've been there forever, meaning the Taliban and Al Qaeda. That's just what that region is. Sorry, but we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Okay, let's uh, move along here. I I read an article and it kind of got me to thinking. You know, there's a. A 25-year-old electrical engineer that's a graduate of uh, UNC at Charlotte, 2018. And he's also a native of Charlotte, North Carolina. But he's now residing in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina. Who has a hobby that is called Hobby Dives. And appears he's found a tooth of a rare 11-foot prehistoric beast in a South Carolina river last week. Now, this tooth belongs to a gargantuan, short-faced bear. Now, he found the tooth 45 feet deep in the Cooper River, which is about 20 miles north of uh, North Charleston, if you're familiar with that region or that area. Sits sits out. It sticks out. It's on the coast. It does. It, it, it does. Beautiful place. Beautiful. Now, he goes on to say that this particular part of that that area, that river, is uh, what is called Blackwater. And you can only see about a foot around you. <laughs> In fact, while he was diving, he had two, what he described as two fairly large catfish ram his, ram his side. Uh, that would have been it for me right there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I can't see standing in water and, and and fish are bumping up against you or ramming your side. Oh man, that 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 would freak me out totally. That would freak me out totally. That would be it for me. Now he he also goes on to say that uh In order for him to do this diving, he has to use really bright lights. And he found the tooth that measures three inches. Um, Now, where he found it at, he said it was about 500 yards from a boat launch in what's called Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Now, apparently these bears (laughs) are at least double the length of uh, the present-day black bear. And they're pretty sized, so it's double the length. Good Lord. Now, these bears at, at that time, these are prehistoric animals. So I guess it's, I want to say, I have to say, I really hadn't gave it that much thought that there were actually some prehistoric beasts around here from this region. I mean, I always thought they were out further out somewhere, but it stands the reason that, well, they were everywhere. And apparently along this coast of South Carolina and South Carolina and North Carolina, they're saying they're finding a lot of these prehistoric beast fossils. And that's his thing. He he dives for fossils. Now, these bears were also living alongside of giant ground sloths and mammoths before their extinction over 11,000 years ago. Now, what they're saying, on all fours, this bear could look you in the eye. Good Lord. (laughs) 
Now, some of his other finds are uh, he, after spending 300 hours underwater, he's found megalodon shark teeth. Megalodon shark teeth. Uh, he's found the tusk of a Colombian mammoth. Found that last fall, not far from where he found the tooth. And he's also found a small jaw from the species of uh, Leopardus amalecula, whatever that is. Oh, my Lord. It's a rare cat. I guess it's a Leah. I don't know. That also once roamed the area. He's found a giant sloth tooth and a never-before-described ancient skull that is being examined at the South Carolina State Museum. Like I said, he, he's, his stretches of finding these these artifacts, it, of course, is along the South Carolina-North Carolina border, and also, it goes as far up as to Wrightsville Beach here in North Carolina, and I've been to Wrightsville, Wrightsville Beach, and apparently there's a, a part that goes out further than where I was, but... Wow, I just thought to myself, wow, they're finding all of these fossils and bones and tooths all along the North Carolina, South Carolina coastline. Man. How great is that? I mean, sometimes I can. It it does somewhat intrigues. It, it sparks my interest. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing something like that, but I don't know about that thing with those two giant catfish ramming my side oh man I probably would freak out there ain't no problem I would freak out hell I'd probably drown trying to get out the water <laughs> uh, but all I can say is kudos to him just like I told you about the lady that was down in the Florida Everglades hunting those uh, anacondas they are indeed both a, a special group of people I salute you all Salute you both and everybody that does work like that. And kudos to you. Somebody has to do it. Just ain't going to be me. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Just ain't going to be me. Well, let's move along. Um, you know, in the past few weeks, we've all uh, heard of or have uh, certainly felt empathy for the Capitol Police. They've been going through it so far this year you know of course with the January 6th riots and then a few weeks ago with the gentleman that rammed his car into a barricade and also two officers before getting he got out and wielded a knife and of course you know they they returned fire they killed him well not even returning fire they killed him um I I, I was wondering to myself I said man the Capitol Police up until now, it seems like they had a had it pretty easy. And to be honest with you, they have. They haven't have, had too many instances of, of anything, any violence like this. But one of the other things, and, and I, I read an article and it got me to thinking because I, I too was wondering, I'm saying, man, when did they actually start the Capitol Police? Now, the Capitol Police actually began with a single guard named John Golding. Golding. And 1800 for what was then the new Capitol building. However, 27 or so years later, there actually became a formation of the Capitol Police. Now, this came about as about as uh, a result of a tiff, if you will, between President John Quincy Adams' son, John Adams II. And an editor of a newspaper that supported his father's rival, Andrew Jackson, who, by the way, was defeated by John Quincy Adams pretty heftily, let's say that. Pretty much got all the votes, or he took a majority of the votes. And that angered and pissed off, if you will, Jackson and his supporters, including this editor. Now, they spent the better part of four years. John Quincy Adams was a, 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 Adams was a one-time, one-term president. The, the editor and, and all these other newspapers and the Jackson supporters spent uh, the whole four years riddling insults at the president and his supporters. 
Now, apparently, while at a party, the younger Adams <laughs> insulted this editor. And of course, the editor felt disrespected. Hmm. You spent the better part of four years insulting this uh, the younger Adams Adams's father, and he you two finally met up, and he said something to you, and you felt disrespected. Huh? Okay. I, I, whatever works for you, I guess. Now, side note: something that should be noted: the younger Adams was known to be, uh, let's say, quite obnoxious. In other words, he was a you know what, but. He could make that, according to an article in the Atlantic newspaper in 1800, he could make himself himself very obnoxious, but he. <laughs> so, moving along, later on, while John Adams II was delivering letters for his father, where he worked as his father's personal secretary, was approached by the editor on the stairs of the Capitol Rotunda. Guess he wanted to meet up with him, ran into him. Hey, you insulted me. I dare you. No, don't show any regard to what I say about your father in my newspaper. Shut up. You insulted me. Now this editor, <laughs> now this is quite funny. The editor pulled young Johnny's nose and slapped him. Now I wonder, side note also, I wonder, is that where the Three Stooges got that bit from? You know, when they would pull each other's nose and then slap their hands and it almost seemed like they were yanking the nose off. But this wasn't it. This was a pull of the nose and a slap to the face. But I, I just wonder if that's where the Three Stooges got that from, you know. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> which in those days, you know, when you, you slap someone, that was an automatic instant call to a duel. And of course, a blatant sign of disrespect. So disrespect was going on all around the, with this these two or these two groups about that time. Sounds about like what's going the political climate now. I would say minus the physicality, but it hasn't gotten that bad. At least not between the, poli the, the politician sides. I mean, the the civilian side. It's, it appears it's, it's gotten that way, but. After being slapped and his nose pulled, young Johnny did nothing. He had nothing for him. But the president did. President John Quincy Adams said, the incident would have never happened had there been more security present. So, the president requested that the Congress fund a formal police force to secure the way between the president, office, and Congress, and the Capitol Police was formed in 1828. Hmm, okay. Now, when it first was formed, they would have four officers that worked 15-hour shifts when Congress was in session. Now, in 1935, that grew to 132 officers. Now, the duties of the Capitol Police is, of course, to provide protection for congressional leadership, secure capital grounds and surrounding areas. Areas. Now, since its uh, inception, six members have died so far in, in the line of duty. You had one in August of 1984, July 1988, January 2004, 2014 and then again in 2018 that was the t 2018 was when they were I guess if everyone remembers when there was a softball game between the members of Congress and and some guy I, I once again got the notion he had a he had an agenda and he felt it wasn't being met and he he came out and started shooting or whatever we all remember that at least at least I do now like I said, the Capitol Police has really been catching it lately. I mean, they really have. And it appears you can add 2021 to that list of officers that have passed because I believe now both officers that were struck by this gentleman uh, a few weeks ago have, have died. The second one passed as a result of his injuries, I believe. 
you know, just like I said then, I believe I said it, 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 it often, I often wonder why people do things like that when they, you know, for whatever reason they feel that their, their needs aren't being met or their voice isn't being heard. So they result to violence. So I guess that's a human reaction. Sad to say, I thought we were a civilized society. But it appears the Capitol Police, like every other police, are, are in someone's sight at all times, let's say. And I don't know. I, I, like I said, like I said, then I just don't see how you can get mad and, 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 and then go and try to kill someone. Murder. Clear cut. Murder. So I guess we need to add the Capitol Police to our prayers because I'm naively, I can honestly tell you that I thought it was a cushy job. But I guess it isn't whenever you're, you know, hey, you're a police officer and you're always under the microscope or, or always in someone's sights, literally. Because that's what has happened here. So, you know, the Capitol Police, I guess it started in 1827 and it's been going strong for all these years. And they, 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 if I can say, have a good record of, of their officers being kept safe, if you can say that. Certainly doesn't look like it now. It's like everybody's going to the Capitol trying to prove a point. Man. Wow. That's, that's totally, uh. Alarming. Now, of course, I'm, I'm sure also everyone has heard what is going on uh, in Minnesota with the police. I got, I got to speak on that, and I, I won't. I promise I won't keep you too long on that aspect of it. But uh, the young lady, uh, well, I'm sorry, the officer that fired that those uh, that fatal shot that killed that young man in in Minnesota, the 20 year old. Well, she, of course, her and the police chief resigned a day or so, uh, or two days ago. And yesterday she turned herself in once she found she was going to be charged with manslaughter as a result of that traffic stop and shooting. Um, I haven't really looked it up, but I'm almost sure. Manslaughter isn't an outright charge of murder murder uh, I think it's more or less a saying I don't want to say an accident or negligence I should say it's a negligence of, of sorts because she's saying that she was reaching for her her um, she wasn't reaching for her gun she was reaching for her what do you call that? I guess stun gun. I don't know what they call that mess. A lot of officers carry both on their belt. She, whatever the case, she was reaching for that and she pulled her gun out. And, you know, uh, people are asking, well, how can you mistake a gun for a, a stun gun? They're, they're, they're two totally different weapons. But, you know, I won't get into that. I'll, I'll let the courts decide that and we'll see how that goes. But I will say this. There has to be a better way of, of interacting with African-Americans or blacks. Let's say blacks. There has to be a better way because I, I, I don't know if I may have said this before. I can honestly tell you that I've been out minding my own business and day-to-day -day dealings in life and I've come across police officers and I can tell, and when I say come across, it could be as simple as me walking into a restaurant trying to get something to eat and they're there and, or it's even been while I was working in full uniform and I happen to look and they're staring at me as if trying to figure out who I am and what I'm doing. But uh, I'm in a freaking uniform. 
I don't know who you think I am, but I ain't him. So, like I've said before, there has to be some retraining. Because I can honestly tell you from what I personally have experienced as a, a, a black male, I'm usually a pretty good judge of, of facial expressions and characters and all that, all that nonsense. And I can tell when someone has an ulterior motive or when they're on the prowl, if I can say that. You know, every black male is it shouldn't be looked upon as a suspect. Although this guy, I, they stopped him at a traffic stop. And I'm not talking about that. Stopped him at a traffic stop, found out he had a warrant or whatever. But I'm just saying, in general day-to-day -day dealings, how they interact with African-Americans and African-American males, black males. That goes back to training for me. So if you clearly want to put an end to this uh, practice of what you call police brutality or over-policing, you got to retrain. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, retrain. Because whether you believe it or not, not every black male you come in contact with is confrontational, combative. We just aren't. But we are fed up. I've been standing out on my porch or in my yard looking at, at, at the yard work I have to do or looking at something I have to do to the house and the police is driving by because I stay on a pretty busy roadway as far as traffic. And I look and the police is staring at me. Mind you, I'm in my yard and you're driving a car. Why, why is your head turned in my direction? Huh. And I'll just leave it at that. I'll just, 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 just let me say, one, there needs to be retraining. Two, there needs to be retraining. Three, there needs to be retraining. And last but not least, not all black males you come in contact with are confrontational, combative. Not in the least. Not in the least. So let's pray for Minnesota because they, once again, they're, they're, they're riding and they, they have been riding. I should say they haven't stopped riding since this happened on Sunday. And also, you know, you have the George Floyd trial going on. We all remember that, 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 that incident sparked the protest last summer. So now that, that police officer is now on trial. We'll see how that comes, how that turns out. But like I said, the, the, the police officer that, uh, Poured, okay, I shouldn't say, I, I, I misspoke. She poured a taser out and, and, well, she was trying to pull her taser out and she accidentally pulled her gun out. She turned herself in and she's facing man's second degree or man's second degree murder charges or manslaughter or whatever, what have you, which isn't murder to me. Just saying it was incidental or, or she was negligent in, in his death. I don't know most cases of, of, of uh, manslaughter or, or whatever. I don't think they carry a lengthy jail term. I just, I just, I just don't, I don't know about the, the, the laws in the state of uh, Minnesota, but I, I, uh, everywhere else that don't carry a lot of jail time. It just don't because it's negligent or involuntary. When it's involuntary manslaughter means you made a mistake, but I think she's just been uh, charged with a, some form of second-degree manslaughter or something. I wouldn't get my hopes up for a lengthy jail term. I just wouldn't. That charge doesn't carry that much. Not sure about Minnesota, but everywhere else, it doesn't carry a lot. A lengthy jail term just doesn't. Now, let's move along here. It looks like the... Uh, this was interesting, actually. Goes back to something I spoke about in a previous podcast also. Looks like the school systems nationwide or due to the pandemic are going to be receiving a hefty stimulus, if I can say that, from the federal government in the amount of $123 billion. Now, that's in addition to the $67 uh, billion a lot of school districts or all school districts have received thus far. So they're coming out with a little bit more to help them out. 
Now, this uh, $123 billion, $123 billion stimulus package will offer some school districts that are in need is several times more than the amount they received in federal funding in a single year. Now, what's going to be what this is going to be used to is going to help, of course, to reopen the schools and expand summer programs. That's that summer school I was telling you guys about to help students catch up. Now, it would also help with programs that were at some point in time too expensive to even consider, like uh, your intensive tutoring, mental health programs, and major curriculum upgrades oh oh here we go here we go however school systems when they you know when they start receiving this stimulus they must be vigilant not to shoot too high in their lofty goals now this means if if the money is not spent correctly and the outcome the expected outcome isn't met, they're going to be looked at as uh, failures. In other words, <laughs> the community and, of course, lawmakers that are giving this money are looking to see a readily visible result quickly. I can't see that. I just can't. I mean, you have to give them time to get stuff together. Well, they're giving them three years. So apparently three years after they start receiving this stimulus, they have three years to turn it all around. That's about the amount of time that uh, President Biden will be up for re-election. Hmm. What a dink. Now the education secretary is prompting school system to use this opportunity to uh, hit the reset button. Of course, hit the reset button. Start over. Start from scratch. No harm, no foul there. I mean, hey, that's a given. Like I said, the kids have been out of school over a year. The pandemic, COVID, has been that life-altering event. Now, it also will allow school districts to uh, retrain the teachers. But they're horning in on retraining the teachers in social and emotional learning. And offer close support in racial disparities in education. Hmm. Okay, I get the racial disparities part. But the social and emotional learning aspect. Now, what does that mean? Hmm. Now, of course, districts with higher rates of poverty will receive a larger sum of funds that will be in your school districts like in L.A., Philadelphia, Baltimore, or even Boston. Now, it's going to go, of course, like I said, towards summer programs. That's your summer school. I mean, if you're a parent and you're thinking, ah, I sent my child back, they're not going to. Yeah, they, it's just going. Let me just say, there's going to be summer school. Summer school is going to be a continuation of school. I mean, they have to catch up. So yeah, that they they will be in school all summer, and they should. Like I said, they got to catch up. They got to. They've been out of school a year and, and and some change. That's a long time for these kids to be out of school. So of course, the money is going towards the summer school programs. And. Social learning. Here goes the indoctrination. Here goes the indoctrination. Like I said, they got three years to spend this money or else they're going to have to answer some questions. Oh. So what, what I'm saying by social learning, that's the indoctrination which you've heard me speak of. And, and, and if you're from North Carolina, this article is, is talking about nationwide, but if you're from North Carolina, you we all know Lieutenant Governor Robinson and his stance on this social indoctrination that is going on in North Carolina, meaning, you know, they want to teach the kiddies about being acceptance of someone's gender identity. But that's fine. I get that. I, I understand that. But I don't think 
I can sign on with you teaching it in school. As I've said before, and I know it sounds cliche and, and, and old-fashioned, but I think that's left up to the parents. But, hey, if you take the Fed's money, you're going to take their agenda and they're going to implement it. Take my money, you got to listen to my mouth. That's as the old saying goes. Well, here it's take my money and you're going to you're going to teach what I want to have implemented into society. Now, I'm not knocking anyone, so don't get don't get the mindset, oh, he's being harsh, he's being uh he, he's heartless. No, I'm not. I just think it should be left up to the parents, not the school system. And why I say not the school system is simply this those kids have been out of school a year and some change. They've fallen behind in the basics of education that they need to get out into the world. Yeah, they're going to get out into the world and have to deal with uh, everyone's attitude and a lot of different different people's lifestyles and all of that. Hey, hey, hey. I had to do that also. And I turned out just fine. That's called life. But you can't tell me, you can't convince me that you teaching alongside of math, science, reading, arithmetic, and social studies where you're supposed to learn about the world you're living in. I get the aspect, this is now part of the world we're living in, but you, you just can't convince me that you're going to implement this and this is going to be for the greater good of society as a whole, that you're implemented in addition to learning about the world, meaning uh, uh, the different countries and customs. You're now going to implement someone, uh, a practice where people are saying, I don't want to be identified by the gender I was born as. I want to be identified by this gender that I choose. And, and, and you're going to teach that in school. Um, uh, let me just say that the test scores and, and, and that they're now prepping kids for the EOG, which I, that's another thing I don't understand. How are you going to give them an EOG? They haven't been in school a full year. But they're, they're now prepping these kids for the EOG or those standardized tests that they give for the high schoolers. You know, they're getting ready for exams or whatever. Um. The test scores are low for a reason, <laughs> and now you're gonna you're gonna push this agenda out there. I can rest assuredly when I say those test scores are going to be horrible. They haven't been in school a year, and even if they are, you know they're still going to get federal funding. So it appears, in addition to this federal funding, they are also also going to implement this indoctrination of acceptance of those that choose to live an alternate or different lifestyle or a different identity. I'm sorry, different identity, sexual identity, sexual and gender identity. Hmm. I would wonder when they would start or what age they would start or what grade they would start teaching this. Social acceptance. Hmm. I know the world is changing or has changed. I know we live in a different time than when I was coming along. And I get that and accept that. But I, I, I think I can pretty much wholeheartedly say to you that I think I can teach my kids and, and, and teach them acceptance and an understanding of people that, that choose to live a life or, or have opted to live a life outside of what we were once thought of as normal. I might be saying all the wrong words here, but I think as a parent, I can do that. I don't need the school system helping me out. I don't need the federal government helping me out. I just don't. There's a lot more things the federal government could be doing to help improve society. But this seems to be the new norm. This seems to be the, the push, if you will. As opposed to everything else that's going on in the world. This is it. I often wonder. It's like I, I, I went to sleep one night and woke up and I woke up to this. Where did all of this come from? 
But like I always say with most, when you have a, a, a hard push for something and then you get the federal government involved, it ain't for the greater good. It's for another purpose, another reason. Who put up the money for this? I mean, <laughs> if I could just say who, it's like I woke up and the world said, ah, oh, we're going this way now. And usually when that happens, it ain't for no social gain or greater social good. It's because somebody put some money up somewhere. So who's putting up the money for this? Who's pushing this agenda, really? A lot of politicians have signed on with it. And I just wonder, have they really sat down and talked to those that they're supposed to be represented, representing? Because I got to be honest with you, a lot of people that I talk to, whether Democrat or Republican, black or white or Hispanic or Asian or whatever, they're all saying the same thing. What in the entire hell is this? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, that's what they're doing. Certainly don't want to impede on anyone's right to, to live their life the way they live, want to live their life. Certainly don't want to look over the fact that if they choose to live their life this way, they have every right to be protected under the law. I'll never take that route. But for you to say that you're now going to implement this new social norm into educating my kids and I have to accept it and I have to sit there and not say anything. You're wrong. You are wrong. Oh, you're so wrong. I don't need any human being walking the face of this earth to tell me what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. And I also certainly don't need you to take my tax dollars and put it into the school system and then say, hey, this is how we want to teach your kids. No, I don't need you to do that. You can't. No, you don't need to do that. Especially with these test scores being the way they are. I'm, I'm wondering already, what the hell are you teaching my kids? Can't teach them because of COVID, of course. But even before COVID, I was saying, man, they're not really teaching these kids anything. But apparently now they are. They're going to teach them how to be more socially accepted to one another. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Like I said, um, I don't know if, if you're thinking that, uh, if you're like me, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. You're also probably thinking to yourself, well, that what are they really saying about me as a parent? This is such a big thing to me. I, I mean, you're probably saying to yourself, what are they saying about me as a parent? Are they saying that I don't have the mental wherewithal to talk to my child? And maybe a lot of parents don't. I mean, I talk to my kids. I let them know what is what. I let them know you can't go around uh, uh, belitt belittling or degrading people because they look different from you or want to choose a different way of life than you. Some of you may say, well, there's not a lot of parents to do that. Well, hey, there isn't. But I just don't see how you implementing this curriculum change in school is going to help anything. I think in comparison to the rest of the world as it relates to uh, education and, and how these kids turn out or are turned out into the world, into the workforce, I think the United States isn't doing too well. And the reason for that, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't see how this is going to help anything. The world is changing as we know it. And it has changed. It's changed more towards that AI thing. You know, we always hear artificial intelligence, the hands-on way of doing business or, or interacting has gone away. COVID certainly did push a lot forward and maybe COVID helped push this forward also looks like. I just don't think the federal government should be sticking its nose into education to the point where we're now going to be hit with a new social doctrine. Sounds eerily familiar. You're, you're treading on, on some shallow ground here, guys. 
You are. Sounds like you're pushing a socialist agenda through. Do it or else. Accept it or else. What's the or else for me? That's what I want to know. What's the or else? What's going to happen? Huh. I wonder. But anywho, that's just my uh, take on it. I just don't know. Uh, I, I, I can't co-sign with the, 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 the transgenders playing female sports. I can't co-sign with this uh, new curriculum change where you're going to implement these social norms and tell the kids they have to accept it or else they'll be considered a homophobe or, or, or non-acceptance of others. Let's take out the part of, of, of saying we all are, are Americans. We all are human beings. And that what that's what makes us, one of the things that makes us human beings is our ability to either accept or deny, accept or not accept what someone does. That's just it. That's what makes us human beings. We can't all agree on the same thing. We just can't. And this is one of those things I'm not I'm not co-signing with. I'm just not. I'm just not. Well, that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. And I would love to hear your voice. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. And also on Verbal and WordPress. This is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just a Thought. Amen.